Hello and welcome to the second episode of K&A Mysteries. Mysteries. Today I will be looking at the Jennifer Pan case. It was an ordinary night in the Pan family's home. Jennifer's mom, bitch have 53, was watching TV in the lounge. Upstairs, her father, Hyun Hyun, 57, was dozing off on the bed. Her 21-year-old brother, Felix, was away at university. Suddenly, three men burst in, each armed with a gun. Han was marched downstairs, and the house was scored by from cash. Then the troubling couple were ordered to their basement, as Bitch definitely, desperately pleaded for her daughter's life to be spared. They were both shot multiple times. Once the men had fled, Jennifer called the police in hysterics. Help me, please. I need help, she cried. She explained she managed to free herself after the gunman had tied her hands. Incredibly, her blood-soaked father crawled from the basement, having survived a shot to the face, but her mother had been killed instantly. The horrific murder sent shockwaves across the country. The victims were kind, hardworking people who were relaxing at home on a quiet Monday night. Jennifer, 24, was their golden child, a straight-A student who won a scholarship to a university. She had also figured skate and practiced martial arts and had played the piano since the age of four. Her accomplishments made her parents brim with pride. Their sacrifices arriving into a new country as refugees from Vietnam and laboring to put their two children through school were all worthwhile. But recently they had discovered a more sinister reality. Buckling under the pressure, Jennifer had actually failed high school and never attended university, let alone graduated. Over the years, she spun a web of lies. Throughout school, she faked her report cards, changing her respectable B marks to A grades expected of her. After failing one particular class, she wasn't even accepted into the university. Despite to please her parents, she traveled to the city every day. Instead of being in her class, she hung out in public libraries suspecting something her parents trailed her daughter and learned the truth it also came to light that jennifer had been dating daniel wong for years something her parents had forbidden for the next 18 months it was like she was under house arrest with her every move monitored as her anger manifest and she began to wonder what life would be like without her parents as well as freedom there were 500,000 in heritage, which could be hers. But was this golden child really capable of cold-blooded killing? What happened next after three days in an induced coma, Han woke up, telling the police that he remembered that said his daughter had spoken softly to one of the men like a friend. Just like that, Jennifer went from being innocent victim to chief suspect. Hauled from the police station, she was interrogated by Detective Bill Goats who used a tactic called the Reed Technique. Going through a series of stages, he gained her trust, empathized with her situation, and then accused her of plotting the gruesome revenge attacks. You're involved in this, I know that, Goat said. Around three hours in, there's no question about it that the only question right here is, are you going to keep making mistakes? At that, Jennifer cracked. What happens to me? She sobbed. Ingo. After arresting her on the spot, the police then traveled thousands of text messages to, to snare the four others. Her ex-boyfriend, Daniel Wong, Lefford Crawford, and David McGallivan, and Eric Cardi. All five were charged with first-degree murder, attempted murder, and conspiracy to commit murder. 
The court heard Wong introduce Jennifer to Crawford, and she arranged to pay 10000 for her fake home invasion, where her parents would be killed. On November 8, 2010, Crawford texted Pan, After work, okay, will be the game time. That night, she unlocked the front door. Then, three of them stormed into Pan's home. To this day, it remains unclear who pulled the trigger. But in December 2014, Pan, McGullivan, Crawford, and Wong were found guilty. Pan sobbed as they were sentenced to life in prison with no chance of patrol for 25 years. Justice Michelle Furest referred to Jennifer's plot as the Tom of Evil. After striking a deal, Cardi pled guilty to conspiracy to kill, but not entering the house. He got 18 years. Han wasn't in court to see his daughter locked up, but he did write a statement, which was read aloud. When I lost my wife, I lost my daughter at the same time, it said. I don't feel like I have a family anymore. I feel like I am dead, too. One of my family's requests to the court was that Jennifer not to be allowed to contact them. For the next two decades, she is legally buried from saying one word to her father and brother, not even to apologize. Now the Ted Bundy case. Who was Ted Bundy? He was an American serial killer and rapist. Ted Bundy was one of the most notorious criminals of the late 20th century, known to have killed at least 36 women in the 1970s. He was executed in the electric chair in 1989. He was a serial murderer, rapist, and necrophiliac. He was executed in Florida's electric chair in 1989. His case has since inspired many novels and films about serial killers. Ted Bundy's early life. Eleanor Louise Cowell, who went by Louise, was 22 years old and unmarried when she gave birth to her son, Ted. Ted's father may have been Lloyd Marshall, an Air Force veteran and a Penn State graduate, according to Ann Rule, a co-worker of Ted's and the author of the book, The Stranger Beside Me. Other sources had Ted's father's name as Jack Worthington, while some rumors had it that his father was also his grandfather, because Ted's birth certificate lists his father as unknown. His biological father's identity may never be confirmed. In 1951, Louise married Johnny Bundy. While Ted took his name, he reportedly didn't have much respect for his stepfather, whom he resented for being too uneducated and working class. Johnny and Louise had several children. Johnny and Louise had several children together. Louise was a working, was working as a secretary at the University of Puget Sound, and still married to Johnny in the 1970s, when Ted was accused of his crimes. She refused to believe the charges for years, although she changed her stance after he confessed. Bundy was born in Burlington, Vermont, on. November 24, 1946, Bundy started life as his mother's secret shame, as his illegitimate birth humiliated her deeply religious parents. Louise delivered Ted at a home for unwed mothers in Vermont and later brought her son to her parents in Philadelphia. To hide the fact that he was an 
a legitimate child. Bundy was raised as an adopted son of his grandparents and was told that his mother was his sister. Eleanor moved with Bunny to Tacoma, Washington, a few years later, and soon married his stepfather, Johnny. From all appearances, Bundy grew up in a content working class family. He showed an unusual interest in the macabre at an early age. Around the age of three, he became fascinated by knives. A shy but bright child, Bundy did well in school but not with his peers. As a teenager, a darker side of his character started to emerge. Bundy liked to peer into other people's windows and thought nothing of stealing things he wanted from other people. Education. Bundy graduated from the University of Washington with a, a degree in psychology. In 1972, he had been accepted to law school in Utah. Although he would never earn his degree, while a student at the University of Washington, Bundy fell in love with a wealthy, pretty young woman from California. She had everything that he wanted, money, class, and influence. He was devastated by their breakup. Many of Bundy's late victims resembled his college girlfriend, attractive, attractive students with long, dark hair. By the mid-1970s, Bundy had transformed himself, becoming more outwardly confident and active in social and political matters. He even got a letter of recommendation from the Republican governor of Washington after working on his campaign. Victims Bundy confessed to 36 killings of young women across several states in the 1970s, but experts believe that the final tally may be closer to 100 or more. The exact number of women Bundy killed will never be known. His killings usually followed a gruesome pattern. He often raped his victims before beating them to death. While there is some debate as to when Bundy started killing, most sources say that he began his murderous rampage around 1974. Around this time, many women in the Seattle area and in nearby Oregon went missing. Stories circulated about some of the last victims last being seen in the company of a young, dark-haired man known as Ted. He often lured his victims into his car by pretending to be injured and asking for their help. Their kindness proved to be a fatal mistake. Finally caught, in the fall of 1974, Bundy moved to Utah to attend law school and women began disappearing there as well. The following year, he was pulled over by the police. A search of his vehicle uncovered a cache of burglary tools, a crowbar, a face mask, rope, and handcuffs. He was arrested for possession of these tools, and the police began to link him to much more sinister crimes. In 1975, Bundy was arrested in the kidnapping of C Carol Durant, one of the few women to escape his clutches. He was convicted and received a 1-15 to 15 year jail sentence. Bundy escaped from prison twice in 1977. The first time he was indicted on murder charges for the death of a young Colorado woman and decided to act as his own lawyer in the case. During a trip to the courthouse 
library. He jumped out a window and made his first escape. He was captured eight days later. In December, Bundy escaped from custody again. He climbed out of a hole he made in the ceiling of his cell, having dropped more than 30 pounds to fit through the small opening. Authorities did not discover that Bundy was missing for 15 hours, giving the serial killer a big head start on the police. After Bundy's second escape from prison, he eventually made his way to Tallahassee, Florida. On the night of January 14, 1978, Bundy broke into the Chai Omega sorority house at Florida State University. He attacked four of the young female residents, killing two of them. On February 9th, Bundy kidnapped and murdered a 12-year-old girl named Kimberly Leach. These crimes marked the end of his murderous rampage, as he was soon pulled over by the police that February. The most damning evidence connecting Bundy to the to Chai Omega murders at FSU were bite marks on one of the bodies, which were a definite match to Bundy. The trial. Bundy's good looks, charm, and intelligence made him something of a celebrity during his trial. Bundy fought for his life but was convicted and spent nine years on death row appealing his death sentence. Conviction, death sentences, and appeals. In, 19, in July 1979, Bundy was convicted for the two Chai Omega murders at FSU. He was given the death penalty twice. He receives another death sentence in 1980 for the murder of Kimberly Leach. Bundy appealed trying to get take his case as high as the U.S. Supreme Court, but he was turned down. He also offered information on some of unsolved murders to avoid Florida's electric chair, but he could not delay justice forever and was executed in 1989. Ted Bundy's Girlfriend In 1969, Bundy began a six-year relationship with Elizabeth Clover, whom he met in a Seattle bar. Clover was a single mom of a young daughter and struggled with alcoholism. Bundy took care of her and she said he was warm and loving. By 1974, Clover started to suspect Bundy's crimes. When she questioned him about odd behaviors like keeping a meat cleaver in his desk, he used his charm to deflect her concerns. Clover secretly went to the police with her suspicion of Bundy's involvement in prominent local murders. When they didn't believe he was a killer, the pair remained together, although they grew distant when Bundy moved to Olympia the following year. In 1975, Clover went to the police again, this time with evidence that helped them to arrest the serial killer. Bundy had confessed to Clover over the phone from his prison cell that he had tried to kill her and couldn't resist his impulses when he felt his sickness building in him. She later wrote, she broke ties with Bundy for good and wrote a book about her experience. Ten Bundy's wife and daughter. In February 1980, Bundy married Carol Ann Boone, a mother of two whom he'd dated before his initial arrest in a courtroom during the penalty phase of his trial. He proposed and she accepted in the presence of the judge.
making the marriage legal in Florida. The couple had met six years earlier when they were both working worked at the Department of Emergency Services in Olympia, Washington. Boone gave birth to a daughter, Rose, in 1982, and she named Bundy as the father. Not much is known about Rose today. Boone eventually realized Bundy was guilty of the crimes. She divorced him three years prior to ex his execution, according to Rule's book, A Stranger Beside Me. Boone stopped visiting Bundy during the last two years of his imprisonment. The final of ten. On January 24, 1989, Bundy was executed around 7 a.m. at the Florida State Prison in an electric chair, sometimes known as Old Spank Sparky. Outside the prison, crowds cheered and even set off fireworks after Bundy's execution. Bundy's body was cremated in Gainesville and no public ceremony was held. Before he was executed, he requested his ashes be scattered in the Cascade Mountains of Washington State, where he murdered at least four of his victims. In this episode, I hope you learned more about the Ted Bundy case and the Jennifer Pan case. See you in the next podcast episode.